Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them again to Hebrews chapter 12 and Galatians chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 12, Galatians chapter 6, and a Bible study that I've entitled, When You See a Brother or Sister Fail. When you see a brother or sister fail. We've been learning about faith. We're going through the book of Hebrews verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're in chapter 12. We've been learning about faith, the importance of maintaining a laser focus on Jesus, laying aside the sin and the weight that weigh us down, the heaviness that comes, learning how to run our race with joy. And that's what Paul does in chapter 12. He compares the Christian life to running a race. But don't get in your mind a race where there's competition, where your whole goal is to get the fastest time and to beat as many people as possible, but rather in this race, We're not trying to compete with anyone, but rather we want to finish. That's the only goal. We want to finish. We want to finish well. Not only do we want to finish and finish well, we also want to take as many people as possible with us. And as we're running, we learned last time, notice in verse 12, in chapter 12, that people get weak and they fall along the way. So therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all men in holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of bread sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. The temptation to quit, to slow down, to backslide, seems to come at the worst possible time. I mean, nobody really ever plans to backslide. Nobody ever plans to quit. It just happens. One little compromise at a time. So we're to learn to strengthen one another as we're running this race, watching out for each other, making sure that we all finish together. It's like Paul here in Romans 12, or excuse me, Hebrews 12 at the end is saying, come on guys, the finish line is right up ahead. Let's keep going. Let's help one another. Let's strengthen one another. Let's look out for each other. There's pain on the journey. Yes, of course. Pain sometimes comes through as we learn the chastening hand of God or the training and discipline of a loving father. That can be painful. Sometimes pain on the journey comes from our own sinful decisions and we deal with the consequences of our dumb sinful decisions. Sometimes pain on the journey comes because of someone else's sinful decisions, and we pay the price for that. Yes, there's pain on the journey, but there's also healing on the journey. And there's healing in the race, and you can get back up even if you fall down. But This is no time to 
look backwards. This is no time to quit, even as things get harder. We're to strengthen one another, it says in verse 12. You see somebody hanging down and discouraged and falling back, stop, pick them up, help them along the way. And this is where I think our church excels. As I've observed our church now for almost 21 years, our church excels not only with each other, but also in our community, encouraging one another in the Lord, helping one another, serving one another, rising to the occasion when special needs arise, praying for one another, serving one another, encouraging in the word, praying, singing, coming together in such a way where God is honored, developing friendships and partnerships along the way. Today I want to reveal to you and I want to show you from God's word an added extra help when somebody fails and falls alongside of us. Would you go with Galatians over to Galatians chapter 6 with me? We want to learn with some practical help what happens and what are we to do when we see someone fall and we see someone fail. What does it really look like to strengthen a brother? What does that look like and how does God describe it? Well, here in Galatians 6, we have insight. We're going to spend a couple weeks looking at various insights on how to help a brother and how to help a sister when they fall. Notice with me Galatians chapter 6 in verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Notice first that the address is to brethren, to believers. This is a message to the church. Now, of course, this was a message to many churches in an area known as Galatia. That's why it's called Galatians. It was given to a few churches in that area, but it's written to believers. It's written say, hey, brothers and sisters, listen to this. I want your attention. If a man is overtaken in any trespass. So the Bible's saying, keep your eyes open for people that are overcome by sin. Keep your eyes open for people that are getting involved in sin. Keep your eyes open. Watch out for one another. This is an area of weakness in someone's life that needs strength from, notice, the spiritual men and women in the church. Those of you that are spiritual. A lot of people like to say they're spiritual. And a lot of believers like to say they're mature. This is a way that you can reveal your maturity. And that is by helping a brother or sister that's fallen, that has been overtaken by any trespass any for the galatians there's been division in the church division between those that are hyper legalistic and dropping a bunch of rules and regulations on and those that have experienced the grace of god there's division there's infighting there's hyper judgmentalism if you've ever met someone that's very legalistic you know 
They're very judgmental. They're always finding the problems. They're always seeing the weaknesses. And so what he's saying is, okay, so if you have eyes to see weaknesses and you have eyes to see people struggling and you have the eyes to be able to see that, then this is your mandate. Help them. Don't hurt them. Don't make it worse. Because notice he describes them in verse 1 as someone that's overtaken. Overtaken. You can circle that word if you'd like to write in your Bibles. There's a few words I want to draw out for you today. This word overtaken means to be surprised by. It it means to be shocked or caught off guard. So here it is in the context of Hebrews chapter 12. You're running your race. You're making progress. You're doing well in the thing. And then you're overtaken by a sin. You're caught by temptation. You're actively running away from sin but then you're caught up on it. And I think, of, I think of something that's real common. You know, you've got your phone, you're, you're looking for something, you Google something, you click it, and then something pops up, and you're like, I didn't want that. And as it pops up, though, you follow along. And you click again, and you click again, and before you know it, you're involved in something and overtaken by something that you never wanted to get involved in. You didn't plan it, you didn't premeditate it, but the temptation popped up, and you bit. And now you're caught. And now you're stuck and you're overtaken. And it's amazing as pastors will tell you time and time again, you've got to be careful where your eyes go. You've got to be careful what you listen to. You've got to be careful the people you hang out with. Hey, even the Bible says, the Bible says that evil company will corrupt good habits. Compromise always leads to more compromise. And it happens. It happens all the time where men and women are overtaken by a trespass. Okay, so now we agree it happens. What's our response? For those that are spiritual, notice it says, restore such a one. You want to seek to restore people, to bring them back. So many times it's easy to see people, their faults and their failures and their problems and their hang-ups and their mistakes. And the question is, what's our response? How do we react? Really, what's the condition of our heart? Do we even care? And what are we supposed to do? Well, he says, those of you that are spiritual, help restore them. Help bring them back. I mean, first of all, you got to look for them. You got to notice. And when you do, your heart is to restore. Here's another word I want to point out to you. Circle that word restore. It literally means to set. It's a medical word. It comes to us in the Greek. Remember the New Testament, the original language is the Greek language, the common day Greek language of the first century. It's called the Koine Greek. And we have it translated into English for us. So sometimes the word, the English words don't give you the substance of the Greek word. This word refers, it's a medical word that refers to the setting of a broken, fractured bone. Because that's what sin does. It breaks. And it fractures. And it splinters. And it ultimately destroys. The idea of restoration here is to go in with a heart to repair to help a brother and sister. Because here's the thing that I've found. There is a twistedness in our minds and in our lives, in our humanity, that most of us share, where we're a little happy when someone falls. Almost like they deserved it. That's what they get. 
here I am, I've stayed away from that sin, but they didn't, and they got what they deserved. You know, maybe it's this attitude where you hear of a pastor that has fallen into sin and disqualified himself. And it's almost like, you know, and that happened recently with a pastor, pastored a church of thousands of people. And it's so sad to see the response of many people. Well, you know, he deserved it and he shouldn't have done it. And, you know, that's what mega pastors do and mega church pastors and all, all of that. And, and the folks are just missing the point that this man is married and he has children and he hurt a lot of people. And so the church is reeling. And instead of being happy that he has crashed and burned so bad, where's the heart to help a brother? Where's the heart to pray for his family and pray for the brokenness of his wife and, and the shame that the kids are carrying? And all, like, instead, we get there are those like, oh, you know, he got what he deserved. You know, perhaps he's paying the price for his sin, and that's unfortunate. But so are a lot of other people. And the enemy trapped him, took him down. Maybe it's not even in the church. Maybe it's just somebody you're competing with at work, you know, and they get in trouble and now they don't get the promotion and inside you're secretly happy. They're like, yeah, it's about time. Maybe I'll get the promotion now. But no, where's your heart to help? Where's your heart to come alongside and strengthen, especially in the church? Paul, the Bible says this, the spiritual man and the spiritual woman doesn't ridicule someone that's fallen, doesn't ridicule a fallen comrade or gossip about him or reveal it to the world. Instead, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. How? In a spirit of gentleness. It's going to require a special gentleness when you're dealing with brokenness. That's just the way it is. Because sin always brings brokenness and we, we want to be careful, gentle, very sensitive to the hurt and the pain that we're dealing with. Let me, let me give you an example. Because when you see somebody fall, you're left with a choice. When you see someone's failure, you have a choice to make. And I think it's greatly illustrated in the life of Noah and his sons. Would you turn back to Genesis chapter 9 with me? Genesis chapter 9. You know, Noah entered into the ark right before the flood, the judgment of God with his sons and their wives and his wife. And now the flood is over. The waters have receded. After many days of tossing and turning upon the floodwaters of God's judgment, the ark, this large boat, finally rests. Noah and his family exit the ark. They begin to repopulate the earth. They're excited about new life. And you know, Noah gets a little too excited as we find in, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, notice. Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. So Noah comes, he plants a vineyard. There's time that passes here. This doesn't happen overnight. It takes time for the, for the vines to grow and for the grapes to come. And, and over time, he takes of the vineyard, he makes wine, he gets drunk on it. And as he's drunk, he does something really dumb in his tent. He becomes uncovered. He's a naked mess, a drunken naked mess in his tent. He is truly not only in sin, but he's acting foolishly out of his sin. Notice 
you have two options here that are laid before us when we're exposed to other people's foolishness, when we're exposed to other people's sinful foolishness. Here's choice number one, and it's illustrated by his son Ham. In verse 22 it says, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Here's choice number one. He sees his father in sin and acting foolishly, and he chooses to tell. He sees and tells. He exposes the weakness of his dad in his sin to his brothers. And the idea behind this word in the Hebrew is he exposes his dad. He advertises it. Today, what we would call that is gossip. He sees and he tells. And and the implication in this text is he immediately tells. He doesn't hold it to himself. He sees and he tells. He exposes and begins to say things about his dad. And you can get the idea. You know, maybe this would be translated today. Hey, guys, you wouldn't believe it. Look at dad. He's wasted. Mr. Self-righteous. The one that, look at him. He's a naked, drunken mess. Let's go make fun of him and expose him. What a sinner. Or, option number two, notice in verse 23, it starts out with the word but, in contrast. But Shem and Japheth, they took a garment, and they laid it on both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So here is the option between exposure and covering. So let's be clear here. There are certainly times when sin needs to be exposed and maybe needs to be brought into the light where we need to tell the truth, perhaps getting in the leadership of the church involved. That's not of what we're speaking today. It's not the idea of covering sin for the sake of making excuses for someone and not bringing something to light. This is brother to brother. says, how do we in the body of Christ help a brother or sister when they have failed miserably? Well, one option, and I've seen it many times, is that there's gossip and rumors spread about people. So, oh, did you hear about and did you know? And, and a lot of times the situation's made far worse through lies and deceit. That should not be named among us, church. To hurt a brother or sister that has fallen, like Ham here. Say, hey, did you hear about? And a lot of times it's done like in time. Hey, let's pray for so-and-so. Okay, let's pray. And then in your prayer, you just kind of lay out everything you know about a brother or sister instead of being spiritual. See, if you engage in gossip and rumors and you engage in destroying a brother or sister, you are an immature follower of Christ. That's immaturity. That is not a spiritual maturity. And so you can just know. You get caught up in it, you can just know that that, that is not a response of maturity. It's spiritual immaturity. Because the spiritual person, the mature one, will seek to restore. And I love this illustration. They walk backwards. You know, either it could be one of two ways. They could take a garment behind them on their shoulders and walk backwards. So each of them are covering up different aspects of their dad. Or they could have one large garment where it's on my shoulder, on their shoulder, walking backwards and going, look, I don't even want to see this. And there are times where you must make a choice. I don't even want to see this. 
I don't even want to hear it. And you shut it down right away. You just got to shut it down. People come to you with rumors and gossip and, and that part of you that wants to hear more. You know the culture you live in, right? This culture loves gossip. Their whole industry is designed to give you the latest news, real or imagined, about celebrities, about anything and everything, getting the scoop on their life, a lot of times on the sins of their lives. What happens in the church too? And you just got to learn to shut it down. To say, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to receive it. So just stop it. You're in sin, brother. You're in sin, sister. If that's really true, you need to go work it out. You know, from time to time, somebody will bring something to me and go, Ed, did you hear this about? They're writing this about you. I said, really? Yeah, they posted this and said this. And what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. They should come and talk to me. I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to. Like, there are a lot. Over the years, I've had enough. I've had enough stuff written about me, said about. There's like, you, you might come and go, Ed, you know, so-and-so. And I'm like, yeah, I know so-and-so. They were here for a long time. Yeah, I know them very well. I know all about them. I know the times we tried to work things out. I know the times we said such and well, well, Ed, what's your side of the story? I'm not going to tell you my side of the story. Just don't even listen to the gossip. I'm not going to, I mean, I guess if it was some serious accusation of sin, I would answer that and say, no, my life's above reproach. Here's my schedule. This is where I was. It was some wild, but just everyday rumors and gossip. I, you know, like someone's once said, I ain't got time for that. None. I'm not going to chase down everything people say, because here's what the Bible says. If I've ever sinned against you, God, Bible doesn't say post it on Facebook, doesn't say make a video out of it, doesn't say tell the whole world. Here's what the Bible says. If someone sinned against you, you go to him, you and him alone, and you share that with him. And if he hears you, you know what the Bible says? You've won your brother. Everything else is trying to destroy your brother. God doesn't bless that. You don't want to be a part of destroying people. What does the Bible say? Hey, we're in this race of life. We want to come and help strengthen people. And so I'm not going to answer all those things. I know them. I know them all too well. And I know their story. And you want to be careful. The Bible says, and this is true for me or anyone you respect, anyone you have in your life, this is true for all of us. Hey, the first one to plead his case sounds right until his neighbor comes and reproves him. Basically, the world understands this even. You know, that's what the Bible says, but the world even understands that. What do they say? They say there's always two sides to the story, or even more so, there's three sides to the story. There's your side, there's my side, and then a little bit of both is the truth. And we always want to be careful. You hear about a brother falling, you don't want to be exposing all that stuff. You hear about somebody that's, you you know, you don't want to hurt them far. You want to come alongside them. Now, of course, You're not hiding sin. The Bible says, listen, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. Or also the Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins. Now what that doesn't mean is that you hide sin and you sweep it under the rug. No way. No, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we're not sweeping things under the rug. We're not pretending things didn't happen. We're not covering sin so people can continue to sin. But we're also not exposing them so that they're hurt even greater. But we want to help a brother get up. 
We want to help a brother's strength. We want to help a brother or sister in the realm of confidentiality and making sure that we cover them and protect them while we help restore them. And yes, it's true. When you repent to God, most likely you're going to be repenting to other people too. You have not only sinned against God, but you've also sinned against your brother or sister. So it's not like it's just going to be swept under, we're all going to forget about it. We're going to be dealing with not only your relationship with God, but your relationship with others. But you know, you can make it harder for someone, or you can make it easier for someone. The Bible says we have a choice. Not only that, notice, come back with me now, considering Noah's son. Now come back with me in Galatians, and let's consider this for a moment. Because we're to enter in carefully, spiritually, because it says at the end of verse 1 that we need to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted. We need to consider ourselves. Because part of our judgmental attitude at times is, oh, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she did that. I would never do that. Well, listen, listen. That may be true. That may be exactly true. Maybe not the right, you don't have the right heart about it, but it might be true. They might have been caught up in a sin that's not a temptation for you at all. And it destroyed them, and it wrecked them, and it's shocking. I can't believe they would get caught up in that. But let me tell you something, friend. While that particular sin is not a temptation to you, you can be sure of this. There are a lot of other things that will tempt you to destruction too. And you want to check yourself and make sure that you're walking in the Spirit. So yeah, maybe sin A ruined that brother and it would never be an issue for you. You don't have any problem with sin A. But sin B is a big deal for you. And the Bible says whenever you're dealing with brokenness and sin, you've got to watch out for temptation in your own life. You know, one of the biggest temptations that you and I face when we're helping a brother and sister is pride. Thinking too highly of ourselves. It's like, well, here I am. I'm the rescuer. No, you're just another sinner saved by grace that God has used in someone's life. And you and I want to be careful lest I also be tempted. Notice I also want to, verse 2, bear one another's burdens. That's a command. So we'll fulfill the law of Christ. Now for the Galatians, this is an important phrase because the law of Christ was being interpreted as a bunch of rules and regulations, legalism. But Paul says, if you really want to fulfill the law of Christ, then help one another. You're in this race together, help each other. Look out for each other. Yeah, you have your eyes on the prize, you have your eyes on the Lord, but you also want to have your eyes on one another. You want to bear one another's burden. Circle that word burden because it's important. It means to be kicked in the gut, if you will. It, it speaks of heaviness. It's, it speaks of more than you can handle on your own. You want to bear one another's burdens. We want to know that in the serious situations of our lives that we'll have people, whether you know, it's a troubled marriage, whether it's wayward kids, that, that you want to be able to help one another, not gossip about one another. We want to support and carry each other's burdens. We learn, we get to learn how to do this among the church, here, among us. Why? Because the world needs help. Like people outside of the church need help with the cares and concerns of life. You think it's hard on you. Hey, you know Jesus personally. What do you think the world feels like? 
Why do you think alcohol sales go through the roof? Why do you think you have laws legalizing drugs? Because people can't handle it. They can't handle the pressure. Well, why is there such a mental health crisis in our culture today? And it's real. Because life is hard. Especially when you have no purpose or meaning and no hope. Why do you think the alcohol and drug industry are billion-dollar industries pushed in many ways by celebrities? Because you can have all the things in this world and still be incredibly lonely, hurting, without any hope whatsoever. And the world needs help to bear their burden. I can think of many times in my life Looking back now, I didn't see it when it was happening, but I look back now and I see people that God sent into my life before I was saved to help me carry burdens. Many of them I created myself. The weights and concerns and difficulties that I did myself because of my own sinful decisions. Church, we want to bear one another's burdens and that fulfills the law of Christ. Jesus said in John 13, 35, that the whole world would know that we are his disciples by how? our love for one another. That is the mark. And how is our love demonstrated? Hey man, that's a group of people that help. They help each other and they help within our culture. Like, like it's so encouraging to know that when there's a need arises that the church meets that need. It's so encouraging to hear that, man, a neighbor was helped, a friend was helped, a boss was helped. You know, we are able to collectively help. If we mentioned every single thing that happens here every week through the life of this church, that's, we'd spend the whole time gathered of just the ministry flowing through our church, both corporately, you know, as a large gathering, but also individually. Why? Because you're fulfilling the law of Christ. You're practicing. You know, I get this picture because it, it's, it's, it's important that we do it spiritually, but also practically. You know, like if you're in the parking lot and, and you see a mom with her kids get out of the car and she's got a big package, whether it's here at church or right next door at Safeway, it doesn't matter. And the kids are kind of all over the place and she's got a package. The right thing to do is to go and help her. Just go and take something out of her arms. Maybe hold one of her kids' hands as you walk into Safeway together. You walk into church. Why? Because you're helping with a burden. You're making life easier. The Bible says that we're to be burden bearers, not burden givers. That's the gift of God to us. You actually can help people now. You can pick up a package. You can help with kiddos. You can, you can just have your eyes open. Let me tell you something. You always find what you're looking for. And if you open your eyes to find people to help, you will have more than enough opportunity to help. You don't need to wait for some bulletin announcement, although you can. You don't even have to wait till a church service. You look for those in your circle that need help both people you know and strangers, you'll have more people than you need, even within the church. But what happens is we just stop looking. We get un under the weight of our own burdens, which notice in verse 3 it says, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. That's the biggest temptation. This verse 3, right next to it, you could write the word pride. Pride and arrogance have destroyed even the strongest of believers. And such a great temptation in our lives when we're dealing with the brokenness of others. A church that's healthy, 
A church that's effective and safe is a church filled with the never-ending love of Jesus, the agape love. It gives a, te- a church that's divided and fighting and upset and gossiping and it sounds like, looks like the world. What's the point? What's the point? Why be even involved in that? Why would we even want to have that in our lives? You know, you have to look around and go, is there anyone in your church that needs help? Is there anyone in your church that's physically hurting, spiritually hurting, emotionally hurting? Anyone around you struggling financially? Do they need help? Shouldn't we actively be asking that question all the time? Well, we do, Ed, and when I find out, I send them to the church. I don't know what happened over the years. I don't know what happened, but something along down the road, people started sending people to the church instead of remembering they are the church. That's what the Bible says. Now, of course, if someone is referred to us, we're going to help them, no doubt. But you're the church. It's not just, well, you know, you're the pastor. We got a pastoral team. That's what they're, the pastors are here to do that. No, actually, that's not true. We're here to serve the Lord in the gift and calling that God has put upon our lives, but we're still the church. So when I encounter an issue, you know, in Safeway or something, I don't say, oh, just call the church. They'll help you. I'm there. I'm going to pray with them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm in a stream. Well, of course, Ed, because you're a pastor. No, that's actually not Pastor Ed. That's just Ed. You know, that's just Ed right now. That's all. I'm just Ed. I get to exercise a gift that God has given to me. But really, your pastor, his name is Jesus Christ. He's the good shepherd. And he takes good care of his sheep. It's somewhere along the way, this, like, call the church. You know, we have a phone number, and you can certainly call the church. But as the church, we're to be burden bearers. We're not to be all caught up in pride and arrogance, looking down our noses at people that have failed or struggling, but to be filled with the love of God. The situations, the circumstances that come into our lives, I know they're impossible. I know. So many times as you are the church, you're just faced with all, man, this is impossible. I don't know how. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know how God's going to save this marriage. I don't know how God, I don't know. I face them, you face them. But as the Bible teaches, Jesus told us, didn't he? He says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And all we really need to do is get people's eyes back on the Lord. Get their eyes looking to him, remembering there's a God in heaven that loves them. It's a great opening line with people just to look them in the eye and go, do you know there's a God in heaven that loves you? (laughs) Do you know that? Have you ever been introduced to the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins? Oh, I know that sin, hearing that word, can be offensive to some. God says so. He says, you know, the message of the gospel, the good news, will be offensive, for sure. Because when you hear the word sin, it automatically puts you in a position where you have to, uh, you have to give an account for your activities. So, so, so maybe you are okay with the word mistake, and you're okay with the word mishap. And you're okay with the word, yeah, you know, I'm not perfect. And you kind of describe yourself, yeah, you know, I'm not a perfect person. Well, in those understandings, as a person that makes mistakes and a person filled with mishaps and as a person that that is not perfect, well, what, what the world calls mistake, the Bible calls sin. And sin is far greater than just a simple mistake. A sin is a failure to uphold the holiness and righteousness of God your creator 
I know that there's so much emphasis and effort in our culture to eliminate God. Even from a young age, kiddos that enter into preschool already at a young age, even on cartoons and PBS and all, already kids are trying to be influenced. There's no God, no God. You just evolved. You just kind of started out in a blob and you're not important and you grew and then an eyeball popped out and here you are. You're your own person. Go figure it out and go be the best that you can be and you do you and all these phrases. And no mention of a creator who loves you and created you in his own image. Because when you introduce the truthfulness of God as creator, at the very same time you introduce accountability and responsibility. And then you are also introduced to the truth that when you fail, oftentimes your failure, well no, I would even put it this way, when you fail, that failure hurts somebody every single time. It hurts you. And it may hurt people around you, but failure and sin will always hurt you. You don't need a pastor to tell you that, but that's my responsibility to remind you that your sin has separated you from God. That's the issue. That that's the, you know, in any separation, you begin to feel the weight of that separation. We were not meant to be separate, we were meant to be together. We are relational people. God created relationship within us. It's in our DNA. We're to be together. Some of you are very relational, so you have a large circle of people. Some of you are less relational. You have a small circle of people. But we were meant to be together as human beings, not to go through this alone. And so in life, you need to understand that you were meant and created to be together with God. He loves you. And for some of you, you, for the very first time, need to admit sin. You need to come to a place, even today, and admit your need for the forgiveness of sin. Because the greatest thing with unforgiven sin is burden and guilt and shame and separate and destruction. The Bible says, and, and we, many of us know it to be true by experience, but the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And how many of us have experienced death to dreams, to relationships? And each time we attend a funeral, we're reminded once again that the principle of sin still exists. That until we're in the presence of Jesus Christ and we experience the fullness of the resurrection, will sin, finally, or sin and death finally be defeated and thrown themselves into the lake of fire at the end of the book of Revelation. Until then, we've got to deal with sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. God made it so simple that he encapsulated the good news of the gospel in one simple verse in the Bible. And many, almost everyone, whether you're a Christian or not, memorize this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, like if you even doubt today, well, well, what if I come to God? Will he accept me? Whoever believes in him will not perish, but experience and have everlasting life. That if you today will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved the Bible says. And here we are. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he's not, he deceives himself. We want to be careful of pride. Notice verse 4 now. 
But let each one examine his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. As we're serving and helping people get back up, strengthening hands and knees and helping one that's broken, setting back a broken bone, we need to make sure our own life is in order. That's where it starts. We're not always looking and trying to find everyone else's sin and fix everyone. No, we want to make sure our own life. Let each one examine his own work. That word again, another word to, to, to circle is examine. The word is translated scrutinize. Like if you're going to spend any attention, spend the most amount of detailed attention on your own life. Because this is true, is it not? We have our hands full with our own life. Anyone want to amen that? We all have families. Okay, let's start over, because there's a problem over here and a few problems over there, but everyone else is fine. We have our own hands full, don't we? And we have issues within our family, and we have issues at home, and we have issues in our culture. I mean, you can go on and on, amen, 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 amen. We've got our own issues. We need to pay attention to our own issues so that we're in a position to help others. It's true. Hurting people hurt people, but it's also true that healing people heal people. But you got to pay attention to yourself. You can't be such an expert in everyone else's sins and ignore your own life. You're going to hurt them and you. We want to examine our own lives, scrutinize our lives. We want to be able, as Jesus taught us, hey, watch out for the log in your own eye before you start trying to take specks out of someone else's. Take care of your own life. Carry your own load. That's what he says here. He says in verse 5, each one shall bear his own load. Which to some people would come and go, oh, contradiction. What's he talking about? Bear one another's burdens? Carry your own load? Yes, he says both. Remember, I asked you in verse 2 to circle the word burden. That means to kick, be kicked in the chest, you know, to take a big one, a big hit. Whereas in verse 5, the word load, that, that word there refers to a soldier's pack. Kind of, kind of like your own daily needs. If you were to go out hiking or something, you take your own backpack and have your own water and a few snacks. You take care of your needs, and then you can take care of someone. You take care of your own walk, and as you're strong, you'll be able to help someone that's got kicked in the gut. And so you take care of yourself, and at the same time, you're equipped to help others. You do both. You can't expect everyone to carry your load for you. You can't demand everyone. You know, it's, you, you may refer to a person like that, that that's a needy person. Well, if you happen to be one of those that are needy, you need to scrutinize your life. You have the power of God. He can take care of your needs. He can take care of your daily needs. He can take care of your family. He can take care of your own issues, as we said amen to you want to cooperate with him in obedience. Examine yourself. Everyone's to bear their own burden, their own daily walk with the Lord. You do your own devotions. As you do your devotions with your kids, you're training them to do their own devotions. You know, as you do devotions together as a married couple, you're training, hey, we have couple devotions, but we'll have a personal walk with the Lord. If I'm going to be a good husband, I've got to take care of my life. If I'm going to be a good wife, I've got to take care of my life. And then together I can strengthen one another in unity. It comes together in unity. We all have our own responsibilities to bear. 
but we also then come alongside and help one another with their heavy, heavy situations. So Father, we ask that you would help us to sort these things out in our lives. We know that everyone is beset by weaknesses and occasionally people fall and they fall flat on their face. Would you make us the spiritual mature ones that would come alongside and help a brother and help a sister get up and get back into the race? And as we're praying, I want to invite you, if you've never admitted that you've sinned against God and asked him for forgiveness, I want to give you that chance right now. Those on the radio listening to me, those watching online, maybe downstairs in the overflow or right here in the room, if you're here today and you would say, Ed, I need to turn away from my sins and I want to follow Jesus, would you just stand to your feet? I want to pray with you. Today would be that moment of time that God has set in order for you. God bless you in the back. Who else would say, that's me? It's a glorious thing. God bless you right here. It's so good. We've seen just God do an amazing thing during this time of crisis where he's calling men and women to himself. We're the church. Nobody else proclaims the gospel but the church. Nobody. There's no good news in this world except through the church. None. There's no one that can forgive your sins. There's no one that can change your life. There's no one that can rescue and help cleanse and change you from the inside out no one but God through his son Jesus Christ and so I want to invite you to receive the Lord Jesus today is there anyone else here we don't want to miss you standing actually doesn't really do anything except give you a mental memory of what God's doing in your life right now but it is good to have that it is good to say today I follow him today I follow God is there anyone else I want to acknowledge you guys on the radio. It's hard because we don't see you, but we know you, and we know you respond, and it's real. You might even need to pull your car over, overcome with emotion, you know, how cool, just like God ministering to you right there, or in jail right now, or in a hospital room, as the radio waves can get through all of that. So cool. It's just amazing. So pray with me, right? I want to lead you in a prayer. God bless you. I want to lead you in a prayer to obey God, confessing with your mouth. So you can say something like this. You ready? You could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe Jesus rose again from the dead to save me my life and my soul and I dedicate my life to following you from this day forward and God I ask you to help me turn away from my sinful past and I pray that in Jesus name Amen and Amen We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.